All right, everybody. Um, welcome to Revolution. Um, thanks for coming. I see Marie brought some friends. Hi, how's it going? Um, which is nice, because I got a bunch of texts today, people telling me, like, oh, I can't make it, because it's beautiful outside, um, <laughs> which I know that's what they meant. Um, but yeah, welcome to Revolution Church. Uh, we're uh, a, a different type of church. Um, we uh, are really open to many different voices and, and many different people, and uh, we'll get into that a little bit today. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else? Um, we're still doing our interviewing folks on our uh, new podcast to meet the congregation. And if you listen online and you're listening right now and you'd like to be a part of that, check out our Instagram or uh, send us an Instagram or send us a tweet and let us know. We'd love to talk to you and uh, interview you for the podcast and also maybe have you up on our Instagram page of uh, meet the congregation because that's been really cool. If you hear hammering in the background, that's my son. This is my weekend. Uh, I have every other weekend with the kids, and this is my weekend with the kids. Um, I don't want to go t- too long, so let's just get into this. Um, Maria is uh, our, our, our guest speaker today, and she is a co-host of Everyone is Agnostic. Am I pronouncing that right? Everyone's Agnostic. And uh, she also shaved her head today for this event. Which I think Paul, the apostle, shaved his head for special events. So that's really nice of you to do, following our tradition. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she is uh, a self-proclaimed sex nerd. So maybe we'll hear about that. And does a lot with a religious trauma recovery activism, which I think um, we all could use especially uh, those of us who are still inside this thing trying to figure it out. Um, So anyway, um, Marie is going to tell you a little bit about herself, but she is an atheist and a former Christian, and she's going to probably talk a little bit about that. I don't know. I'm not psychic. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I don't have any special powers, unfortunately. But um, without further ado, please uh, welcome Marie. Stool. Hey, what's up, y'all? Uh, yeah, this is a stool. How are you guys doing? Good. So I've prepared nothing. JK. I did. I prepared a lot, actually. So, um, I don't know where my lipstick is. I was going to do a thing where I was going to like, hi, Emily. I was going to put my lipstick on and be like, okay, now I'm ready. So just imagine. All right, there it's on. So, (laughs) I want to address the elephant in the room. Yes, I shaved my head. Jay outed me. The story is that I was just going to trim the top down to an eight with the clippers, and I had a moment, like a brain fart, and I put the two on the clippers, and I just went like this, and I looked in the mirror, I'm like, nope, 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 that's not what it's supposed to look like. 
so then I guess I guess we're doing this. <laughs> so I just shaved it all off, and here I am, uh, very vulnerable with a shaved head. Thank you. I, yeah, thank you. I appreciate your validation of my appearance. So, <laughs> um, and it is true that if you rub it, you will get three free wishes. Not from me. Not from me. Nope. I do want to thank um, Jay for sharing this platform with me. Um, he doesn't even know what I'm going to say, and he still wants to empower me to share my story on his stage, so I really appreciate you guys inviting me a lot. I will not do bad by you, unless I have already. I don't think I have. Okay. Um, and also, I want to say that the last time I was... Okay, so the series of events of times in my life when I was on stage, I think passion plays when I was a kid, but nobody ever gave me the mic, right? So, But I was on stage, and there was all sorts of people looking at me. So that was like the first experience being on stage. Second experience being on stage, having a mic, was when I was a missionary in Mexico, and I would go to these <laughs> impoverished areas of Mexico and help them by talking about Jesus and not actually giving them any financial support or empowerment at all. So that was great. So, yeah, I remember holding the mic there. I remember being in the streets of Mexico and talking about um, Jesus and a lot of fundamentalist beliefs at that time. So that was probably the second time I've had the mic and that someone's given me the stage and made that poor choice. Um, third time, yeah, I think third time someone has given me a platform and a stage is when I performed for this show called Mortified, where people read their journals um, in front of about 300 people. And that was intoxicating. And I have to say, I feel a little drunk with power right now. So, um, so it's kind of funky to be up here again. And um, especially so because, um, as Jay mentioned, I, I carry a little bit of religious trauma. Um, not all of us do. It doesn't inherently mean that it's all wrong. So I'm, I'm going to say that. Um, but it's uncomfortable. <laughs> To, to have considered standing here and talking at you and telling you what I believe and trying to convince you of something, that's uncomfortable for me. So I'm going to share my story with you. I'm not right. I'm just sharing my story and my experience, and I appreciate y'all you know, listening. And um, so I just want to acknowledge that kind of a, a dynamic because it makes me uncomfortable to, <laughs> to talk at you and to preach at you. So definitely not doing that. Um, so all of that said, um, I just want to give you an overview of what I'm going to talk about today so that you can check out at any point you would like. Um, so I, since, this is, <laughs> since this is my first time here, um, I just kind of wanted to tell a little bit of my story and where I come from um, and kind of where my life has been taking me. So, And then at the end, I will have a summary of advice <laughs> for all of you that you must follow or you will go to hell. So, so, <laughs> uh, this is going well. Also, I, do you like my shirt? Thank you, I do too. I don't know, I haven't picked it yet. Maybe Fräulein. My shirt, my shirt says, feminist is my second favorite F word. Fro yeah, sure. Yep, Fräulein, Freud, that's probably my first favorite word, F word. Mm -hmm. so, um, so, just a quick overview. Uh, my name, 
verbally is Marie LePage. <laughs> when this goes live, it will be under Marie DeElefant because that is my pseudonym when I talk about religious trauma because I don't really feel like having employers look, look me up. No, no, no. Verbally, it's okay. Just don't put it in the show notes. I don't want it to be Googleable. That's a verb. No, adverb. I don't know. Um, so that's just the explaining that. Um, um, just a, a few, like a few. Uh, what is it called? Um, spoilers about me um, is that I live in Columbia Heights. I am romantically and contractually obligated to the gentleman here. And um, I am I identify as ethically non-monogamous and more specifically polyamorous, which I can get into a little bit later. Judge me now. Um, I am the co-host of a podcast called Everyone's Agnostic. On that show, we talk to people about their their um, uh, journeys away from faith, um, away from fundamentalist beliefs. Sometimes they arrive to agnosticism. Sometimes they arrive to a spiritualism. Where they land is kind of indifferent. It's just, we, we like to talk about that journey away. So that's the show that I'm on, and I fucking love it. Um, additionally, things I'm into right now is I'm supporting a, an individual named Dave Warnock who's been diagnosed with ALS, and he's been traveling around talking about what it's like to, to be dying as someone who, rec- or who identifies as an atheist. So I've been helping him with that. Um, so these are just kind of major parts of my identity at, this, at the current moment. I identify as an agnostic atheist, um, and I am a former fundamentalist Christian. And the title of my TED Talk is, Why the Hell Am I at Church Today? (laughs) I don't know why I'm here. I've heard they had good coffee. So uh, I just kind of want to like talk a little bit about my journey. As I mentioned, Um, I was once a child, and during that time, I... um, experienced a lot of anxiety. Uh, uh, in, in later years, I've, I've come to understand I have an anxiety and panic disorder, and um, it was never diagnosed at a young age, and so I kind of had to write it out myself. And on top of that, I was um, indoctrinated with a pretty fundamentalist form of um, Christianity, which um, for me manifested into being something pretty toxic and traumatic. Um, and so that is something that I'm presently working with. Um, I... Uh, struggled a lot with um, self-worth, which is kind of funny because I feel really comfortable with myself right now and I don't really care what y'all think of me. So that feels really good. Um, but at the time, I, was, I had really low self-worth. I was raised in the time of purity culture. Um, if you're interested in Josh Harris, there's a lot happening with him right now in the book that he wrote called I Kissed Dating Goodbye and now he's getting divorced. So that's interesting. Um, but I was raised in purity culture. A lot of messages about uh, like... For example, I mean, these kids are too small, right? They can say some stuff. So, like, masturbation is wrong. Premarital sex is wrong. Being gay is wrong. Literally anything outside of a very narrow frame is wrong, sinful, outside of nature. That, that was what I was raised in, and I, I uh, ate it up. Personally, I ate it up because... Again, like the self-worth thing. Like I had crushes on literally every guy I ever met. I'm mostly straight. And I, uh, <laughs> I liked so many boys. Um, but it was stressful because I didn't think that I was worth anything. I didn't think anyone would be interested in me. Um, and I'm struggling with that a little bit today because I'm presenting pretty masculine with this shaved head thing. It's, it's kind of coming up for me today. But um, as, a, as a kid, uh, it was hard. Um, and, and Christianity 
providing me with this purity culture approach was kind of a reprieve. It was kind of a, a way away from having to figure out how to deal with, in my case, the opposite sex. Um, I, I could just relax and be like, you know what, God is going to take care of it, and I don't need to worry about learning how to engage interpersonally with other people. <laughs> I can just ride this thing out and wait for dudes to show up at my door and be like, you have a name tag that says from God. We're good to go. That did not happen. So, um, and then in addition to the purity culture messages that I got as a kid, um, I um, got a lot of those messages in, in my form of Christianity about original sin. So the messages that I got were a lot about like that I'm intrinsically, I intrinsically have no worth. Um, and I should just be grateful at all that Jesus did anything for me at all. And so, um, it played into the self-worth issues that I already had and did not help me get over that. Um, so, uh, it was kind of a spiral in that way. And, you know, and I believed in hell. I believed that the rapture was going to occur. I I believed it was going to happen sooner (laughs) than later, I didn't have the same kind of rapture phobias that a lot of people did, like where they woke up and maybe their parents were gone for coffee and they're like, oh my God, where are the, where's everybody? They left and they got raptured and I got stuck behind. Uh, it wasn't that bad for me, but um, it did, I mean, just think about it. An anxiety disorder and panic disorder and somebody's telling you that they're going to rapture you at any moment, you better think the right thing so that you go to the right place when you disappear. Um, it's terrifying. It's terrifying and so that didn't work well for me. And, um, and then obviously, uh, involved in that whole, like, you're not good enough, your heart is deceitful, your heart is a wicked thing, um, that you need salvation, you are broken. Those messages meant that I needed salvation, that I was not whole, that my humanity was inherently bad, that all of your humanity was bad. And so it, it made me the other to myself. Write that down, that's a good one. I became an other to myself and everyone around me became an other unless they aligned with my very narrow view of the world. And so then anyone else outside of that group then became a project that someone, someone I had to fix, I had to save. Um, so that's the worldview that I was raised in. Um, and looking at the next bullet point. So um, when I was about 13, I kind of started to doubt all of that and... Uh, people often ask, like, what was it that you doubted about it? And I'm like, um, the whole thing, I guess. <laughs> like, let's start with the existence of God and move from there. And, and then then talk about why you think the Bible is the word of God. So for, from my experience, um, I really had a lot of doubts about that that I didn't, I didn't feel like anyone really could address. However, with these messages of, my heart is a deceitful thing. Oh, also, I was taught about that there's like this spiritual warfare going on. And so, so that made it difficult for me to be present in my own mind and to listen to my thoughts and respect my thoughts and to respect my intellect and the way that it was pushing me. Like It wanted me to doubt. It wanted me to ask questions. It wanted me to look into this thing, and I didn't feel like I could. And this started as early as 13, and I pushed against it because... I like, I, like I said, I really thought that I was not capable, that I couldn't critically think about these things um, because I'm inherently sinful. 
I dislike that part. Um, so uh, that said, so um, I doubted at a pretty young age, and I told the people in my life, and I was kind of in a Christian bubble. And so when I told the people in my life that I was doubting, boom, like I became the other and everyone's all eyes are on me. My entire community is Christian. They all believe that if you don't believe the right thing, you're going to go to hell. So all eyes are on me. And I had people debating with me for the several years there that I was really doubting and, and not sure what I believed. And it became such a catastrophe, like this catastrophic thing to have a doubt. And so instead of leaning into that and being like, yeah, there are some really good questions about this whole premise and all of these doctrines. And instead of leaning into that, I was like, shit, I don't want to go to hell. Everyone around me thinks that, um, I mean, they obviously think that they're right. My parents think that they're right. All of my peers think that they're right. Who am I to think differently? Who am I? Like, what do I know? Like, how dare I even question this thing, right? So... That kind of um, self-worth issue and then then being in that bubble made it very difficult for me to leave. And what ended up happening was that I kind of doubled down um, because I was essentially, I think what we're talking, what I'm talking about, because I'm talking, not you, is that I was being gaslit by my religion um, and invalidated to the core. Um, there was no room for doubt. Um, so... Um, so I, I had to compensate. Now, it was my responsibility. I had to own this, and I needed to make up for this. So I doubled down. I, I was like, okay, God, I'm going to prove to you that I really... I'm, anyone who watches South Park, I'm super, super serial. Like, <laughs> South Park, South Park, sorry. Okay. <laughs> like, I am. I'm, like, super serious. I, I super really, really want to believe this. I was so sincere. I really wanted to. And it was um, just so difficult. And so um, I took uh, extravagant steps to prove myself to God so that he would finally, you know, uh, calm this anxiety and this doubt that I had about his very existence. And um, so I got involved in missions I, I went, since we're in Minnesota here, maybe you guys know, I went to Pelican Rapids, which is by Alexandria, Fergus Falls. Everyone on the podcast doesn't give a fuck. But um, so I did some missions up there for a summer in Minnesota. And then when I graduated high school, I thought to myself, I am such a, I'm such a mess. Like, I'm such a mess. I, I can't get right with God. I can't figure this out. I am a mess, and the rapture is coming, and I haven't figured this stuff out, and <laughs> going to college would be a, like, um, I, I thought that my peers who were going to go to college were dumb, because I was like, what is the point in investing all that time and money in your education when you could be out saving souls? It, it, so I dismissed everybody's choices to do that. And I, and I instead decided that what I wanted to do was do the best thing that you could possibly do with your life, which is save lives. The way I interpreted that was to be to change people's belief systems. So now I view helping people differently. But at that time, that's, that's what I uh, translated that to be. So bloop, bloop, bloop. now we're into 2000, if you were curious where we were. We're in 2000 now. Um, so I moved to Mexico in 2000 and um, joined a missionary organization called Youth with a Mission, 
which is also called YWAM. That's an acronym. And um, so they, uh, I did a semester there where they, they call it theory. But the thing about theory is that you need to have it like based in like solid logic. So it's not really theory. So anyway, they just preached a bunch of uh, random uh, indoctrinating um, ideas to me that were even more extreme than the faith that I had come from, which my faith that I'd come from like Lutheran, like white people Christianity, that, you know, there was no falling over, there was no slaying in the spirits. I don't know, that might be racist. I might take that back. Anyway, you get the point. Um, so when I was in YWAM, it was a lot more assembly of God. It was a lot more mystical. It was a lot more speaking in tongues. And like, it was so exciting to be a part of that. And I thought, I've made it. I've made it. I finally believed enough. I finally took a big enough step. And I've proved it to God now. And now I'm surrounded by this magical world. And how wonderful. This is so exciting to be a part of this. And, well... <laughs> It went well for a little while, and I preached on the streets, as I mentioned. Somebody deigned to give me a microphone, and I I spoke into it, and I said things that I thought at the time. Um, And then I I finished my semester there, and I decided to go back. Um, (laughs) Oh, boy. And then, so, now we're talking about 2001. I swear this is going to go faster soon, but 2001, I went back to Mexico. And the funny thing is, on the flight to Mexico, I was an atheist. Because 9-11 had happened, and I was going through a depressive, anxious period, and again, having doubts, and I, like, I was just like, F me. And I was like, how can I figure this out? Like, that's been my faith journey, really, just why is this not making sense? I'm, I'm, I'm effing this up. I don't know if I should be swearing in front of those children or not. But... <laughs> They're not listening. Okay, I'll indoctrinate them later with profanity. <laughs> all right. If, if Jake keeps me around that long. A couple years. Okay, all right. Um, so I had another faith crisis before I returned to Mexico. I don't even know what the f- term faith crisis means anymore. But I returned, and I was an atheist. And I told the director of the base, I said, I don't think I believe in God. I don't know if I should be staff right now. <laughs> He's like, it's okay. Stay anyway. If you're going to find God, you're going to find him here. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> I stayed. <laughs> it, was hor- it was horrible. It was horrible because, um, again, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of details around it, but it's very, very difficult to be saturated in an environment that all of your bones tell you is wrong. And to, it was just this constant gaslighting experience and this pressure to conform. And I felt like I had to be there to prove to someone that I was trying. Um, so that was my experience at that point. And this blinking light on my phone is going to distract me. I could just check my phone like during this talk. That'd be hilarious. Um, pastors wouldn't do that, so I guess I'm not a pastor. Um, so, so what happened after that? So then this boy that I had a crush on started dating someone else, and so I was like, I guess God doesn't want me here anymore. <laughs> it's fun how God speaks to you. So God spoke. 
God spoke to me and Javier started dating Jeanette and... (laughs) So, yeah, very coincidental, really. It's a miracle. (laughs) Don't worry, I have more embarrassing stories. Um, So I was so depressed, I refused an airplane ticket home. I wanted to be in a bus for 48 hours and be depressed and sad and see the entire world just pass by me. So I took a greyhound home and met a lot of weird people that were made me very uncomfortable. It's a greyhound. Um, so I got home and, you know, the next... Now we're talking about 2003, if you're following along. Write it down. Don't write it down. It doesn't matter. Um, so I, I returned to Minnesota, and I got a job. And in that job, I went down to Texas, and I got trained on how to do the job. And while I was there for three months, I met this Indian guy, and he was hot. And so we hooked up because apparently uh, premarital sex doesn't matter anymore when you suddenly find out that your parents do not al- did not actually do that thing that they're telling you to do. I found out in my early 20s that something that my parents had told me, they, not, they didn't actually do if that's clear enough for y'all. Um, so I was pissed, and so I was acting out, which really that's not acting out, that's just being normal. But anyway, so I had premarital sex. Thank you. Thank you. It does not end well. I, <laughs> I married him. <laughs> I flew to India, because he's from India, and we got married over there. Um... And the next five years are kind of a blur. It wasn't fun. It wasn't really great. We, we were not good partners for each other. And um, obviously during that time, I'm deconstructing. or not. I'm, I'm really struggling with my identity of uh, this transition from leaving missions and this whole identity around missions and coming back to the U.S. where nobody's falling over and speaking in tongues anymore. Um, so uh, the, the marriage was a distraction. It was a... Um, painful distraction from dealing with that, which I will call religious trauma syndrome. Um, So the marriage was very distracting, but eventually we decided to part ways, and I uh, ran into my current romantic contractual partner who's sitting in front of me and waving his hand embarrassingly. (laughs) You have no shame for the gospel. I mean, me. That was a good joke. (laughs) You know, it's good when I tell you it's good. So, <laughs> so anyway, he's a lovely man, and I felt very safe with him. He was the first person who... Oh, I'm going to get all teary. You were the first person who told me I have autonomy. And you knew it before I did. And you've always enforced that. Like, we've been together for nine years, and... You've always believed in my autonomy. You've always believed in my journey, wherever it goes. You had no investment in where it went. And for, for me, the experience that I had to, to encounter someone like that for the first time was extremely refreshing and really um, empowering. And I didn't believe it. Like, I didn't, I didn't agree with you. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm a fucking mess. Like, I shouldn't be doing anything here. Like... I, I, it was hard for me to um, receive that. But um, his, this relationship has been extremely good for me and my healing and to, to, to consider that I might have autonomy and that I might be okay. Um, and um, the downside of feeling safe with someone is that your shit can come up. 
once you're not distracted um, by a bad marriage or whatever else you have going on, then you get to feel your feelings. Yay! So, I had feelings. <laughs> like, at least five. Um, um, like, so at this time, like, I'm like, okay, my shit is coming up, right? Like, again, I'm, I'm using the name religious trauma syndrome. You can call it whatever you want. I'm not, I'm not wedded to it, but... Um, So I'm dealing with a lot of that stuff that I haven't unpacked yet about this experience and these messages that I got as a kid that I internalized and are still playing out. Because at at this time, I was calling myself an atheist. I missed that part. Sorry. Just paste that in there. Um, And uh, what was I saying? So, so, So feeling safe, feeling grounded, feeling loved um, backfires. (laughs) Because, well, I guess it depends how you define it. But for me, a lot of stuff came up. A lot of, um, like, I don't know really how to call it, like, sexual-related religious trauma, like that purity stuff. Like, I would call that sexual trauma, even though it doesn't happen directly to the body. But those messages about what you're, what's okay with your body and what's not okay and that you're gross and disgusting and the things you do with other people's gross and disgusting bodies is double gross and disgusting... So it's hard to unpack that because even once you release the the, and again I, I just acknowledge that I'm in a in a, a diverse group of people that have diverse beliefs. So I hope you can hear me saying this from my own point of view, that um, like once you release, uh, once I released, thank you, Marie, once I released uh, a belief in God not everything else crumbled down. I was still holding a lot of those messages. I was still holding a lot of sexual shame. I was still. It's not like I was like, oh, I don't believe in God. Yay, autonomy. This is great. I can make my own choices and I trust myself. Like, it wasn't that clear cut. It wasn't that easy. Um, So finally getting into a healthy relationship, I was able to start feeling those things and dealing with those things and getting an eating disorder, which was super great, and getting treated for that. Um, So all of that... um, was good. It was good to work through that stuff. It was, I got, I don't even know where I am in my notes anymore, y'all. Like, um. Also, I've been hanging out with people from Nashville, so I've started saying y'all, so sorry. But also, it's gender neutral, so I kind of like that part about it, you know? Right? Yeah. She's feeling that. Exactly. It's, it's nice. I think, I, I think I'm going to lean into that a little bit. Um, oh, here we are. All right. So, um, where are we on time? Oh, I've been talking for a long time. All right. So, um, I think the next thing I wanted to talk about in my my journey was in um, 2013, I didn't really want to live anymore because I was unpacking all this stuff and was having a hard time moving forward with it. Um, I still carry a lot of fear around death. I found that it's very difficult to unpack um, the idea that you're not going to heaven anymore and have to reconcile with mortality as an adult. Um, I, I know some people don't reckon with that. They, they don't have a problem with that. They've eased into this mortality thing with ease. Not me. Like, it's really, really difficult for me to deal with that, that, that death thing. So, so that is something I've been carrying for a long time that was really, really painful and led me to these really extreme places of not wanting to live anymore. Um, so I got help. I, um, went to a hospital and I got help and, it was at that point where I decided, you know, 
life is hard, like especially with the stuff that we're we're given. It's just given to us. Nobody asks us what we believe or helps us create a path. They 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 just pass it on to you. And so life is hard because you're taught all these things and then you grow up and you have to unpack them and decide what do you want to put back in, if anything at all. And so uh, getting help finally helped me realize that I, that I had two choices. I could give up. I could stop doing all this. Um, or I could just keep trying and see where it leads me. I mean, what's, what's the downside on that? Either way, I'm going to die, right? Sorry, this is a little bit morbid, but that's really legitimately how I felt at the time. Like, it's, you know, you have two choices here. So I decided to fight and keep pushing through um, unpacking the stuff that I was carrying. And that was a really good point in my life. That was a good pivot for me. Um, I got a better job. I got a job that uh, was healthier and the people were respectful of me. And that was really great and wonderful. And so now the part you've all been waiting for is sex. So <laughs> I promise I will deliver. I'm not performing on stage right now. Just want to be clear about those who can't see me. I am still fully clothed. So, (laughs) I'm glad you like those jokes. Um, So, in I haven't even asked you if this is okay to talk about husband. We're I'm going to talk about it. All right, I got a thumbs up. Here we go. Consent. It's important. So, in in 2017, I thought to myself, boy. This sexual-related, like, religious trauma stuff is effed up, and I don't know how to work through this in this relationship Um, because we're limited in our experience and knowledge. And so, long story short, we decided to open up our marriage, Um, mostly specifically for me to work through my my trauma and to create new relationships with people and work through the insecurities that I had with potential partners and that sort of thing. So... We opened up a relationship and horrible things happened, like some people in this room became part of our lives, and I will not point to them because I'm not outing other people. Um, and anyway, like, so that had been, so this is, this is the kind of edgy part, right? Like, everyone's like super on board, right? That I, I got rid of religious trauma, right? Everyone's like, yay! And then I'm like, yeah, also I have several partners, and they're like, ew. So I know it's a little fringy. So that's okay. I'm all right with that. Um, uh, we, you know, when you deconstruct something like a fundamentalist faith, it becomes almost addicting to deconstruct more things. Like, why do I need to have long hair? Why don't I just shave it off? Why do I have to be so femme? Like, why, why can I only have one partner at a time? Like, why is that not okay? Um, so we deconstructed that, and it, it's been wonderful because I have worked through a lot of the insecurities that I had because I, I was projecting onto people in my life um, my insecurities about how I am as a partner. And then I was able to realize, guess what? I actually really like myself. And I don't think I would have had that opportunity had, had we not opened our marriage and I'd experienced that jealousy, um, that insecurity of like, if this person is available in their life, then they're going to leave me because they're better. They're not. I'm amazing. <laughs> why, why have one when you can have two, right? Like, there's room for everyone. There's so much infinite. There's infinite love. It is not capped. It is not limited. It is not, you don't run out of love. Um, and so that's been a super fun thing that we've been learning. It is not for everyone. I am not preaching polyamory. I am just sharing my story. So, 
Where the where the f am I going now? Well, so um, I've been spending the last kind of last few years uh, uh, wrestling with demons, and it's been fun. And I've been doing like super scary things, like I don't know, talking at a church, <laughs> <laughs> and like I went and I took a trapeze class several years ago, which was oh yeah, I know. Be imp- impressed because you should be. Because it was scary, and I should receive all your praise for doing it. I took, like, a Krav Maga class. I took a burlesque class. All these things. I I got into this mode of, like, okay, well, if I'm not going to give up on life, let's just go nuts. Let's just find all of the fear. And this has become the definition of my identity now. Wherever I feel the fear, that's where I go. And, like, Caleb knows this about me. You guys know this about me. I love triggers. Trigger me. Trigger my timbers. Like... That's, that's me. That's me and my identity. I, I, I acknowledge that that's not everyone's identity, but that's, that's where I find strength. Because I'm like, okay, if I feel this fear, if I feel this, this terror, I get excited. I'm like, what are we going to learn now? <laughs> like, oh God, this, this fact that my husband is dating another woman makes me want to die. I'm so excited. There's a lot of pain there. What am I going to learn about myself? And so I kind of get addicted to this. It's very exciting. And to just live my life and to make mistakes and make my own choices and lean into my autonomy that I have, I can fucking shave my head if I goddamn want to. And I don't need any of you guys to even like it. Like that feels so powerful to me to have released everyone's judgment, to have released God's judgment, and to realize that we're just a bunch of weird apes, and nobody really knows what's going on here. Um, we're, just, we're just, I mean, we don't have a lot of hair, and that's kind of weird, but other than that, we're, we're apey, apey as fuck, and <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't make us apes, but... It, it, it's been really helpful for me to look around and be like, there is no good human. There is no bad human. I am not good. I am not bad. I am human. And that encapsulates everything about me. And I, I have no energy around shame. I have nothing for shame anymore. <laughs> Fuck shame. If I do something right now and everyone's like, like, if I say something stupid right now, guess what? I'm going to be like, oh, dude, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, it's so nice to just be okay with being wrong, to not have to protect yourself all the time, which in my experience in the religion that I was raised in, you had to constantly be on guard and constantly um, apologizing for your religion, explaining your religion, explaining, and then having to be right all the time, having to have the right answers. You could never say, I don't know. And I'm finding the point in my life right now to be so refreshing because I don't know. And, and I actually know a lot about myself, but you know what's really freeing? To look at all of you guys and be like, I don't know anything. Like, you do your path, you do your path, you do your path. And, like, and to see you all as, as, I don't see any of you as others anymore. Like, I lost the capacity for othering. And this is a good transition for the Revolution Church for me because it has helped me to come here. The few times that I've come here, it's helped me to release the othering. Jay talks about it a lot. The other, um, he does invoke the words of Jesus, which it's a little triggering for me, but I, I find, <laughs> I, I think there's still really good uh, cause for that. And um, it's, 
it's been uh, I just kind of feel like part of the human race again, like part of and not even the human race because that's even an other, right? But I'm just kind of part of the universe, like that that we're all just kind of here together, and I just kind of uh, I just think we're full of wonderful, painful things, and that we have we all have great capacity for love and for help and for making mistakes and all of it's okay. And I, I'm enjoying accepting humanity in its entirety and not feeling the need to judge people anymore and to allow people to walk on their own paths and um, to not try to control them. Because the beautiful thing that I've learned in releasing religion and in exploring non-monogamy is the concept of autonomy, right? Like, that I can't control, I, I have no say over what my partner does with their body. If they do something with their body, like, hey, I stuck my dick in a, a bowl of HIV, like, okay. <laughs> like, you can do that, I guess, but I really don't want that anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm t- all I'm trying to say is, what are you trying to say, Marie? <laughs> bowl of HIV. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is that it's, it's been incredibly um, grounding for me to realize that I don't need to control other people and that all I need to do now is decide how I want to respond. Okay, honey, I hope you enjoyed the bowl of HIV. However, I am now going to make the choice to protect my body. <laughs> and then you, you make decisions for you. You, instead of projecting your anger onto someone else and trying to control their choices, like, why aren't you doing this for me? Just do this for me. Like, it hurts me that you, you did this or that. Okay, like, you can own that, that hurt, and you can ask for what you want. And if they don't find it in their autonomy to want to meet that, that's okay. You release them. I got broken up with five weeks ago. And I was expecting, like, you know, the typical breakup would be like, oh, he's such a dick. Like, like somebody asked me, like, did he have a good excuse? I'm like, he didn't want to date me anymore? Is that good? I, I've released it. Like, he, he has autonomy over his feelings and his choices, and it's not about me. It's not about me that he wanted to break up with me. He's living a different life, doing whatever the hell he wants to. It hurts because I did want to be with him. I did want that, but it is not in my control to make him be with me. Why would I want someone to be with me who doesn't want to be with me? So I've just been finding it, I'm repeating myself, but I've been finding it very refreshing to really focus on honoring other people's autonomy. No matter if they're running this weird Christian, atheist, agnostic, churchy thing, and... uh, like, just kind of honoring the path that revolution is on. Like, I like what you guys are doing, and I'm really glad that you're here and that you're doing it and that Jay's doing this. And it's, I don't think I would have been here a few years ago. Like, I would have been like, y'all gross me out. I'm triggered as hell. <laughs> I'm going to go have atheist communion, which is a thing that I do in religious situations where I eat Mike and Ike's and whisper blasphemous things to myself. <laughs> you can use that. I don't have it copyrighted. Atheist communion, Mike's and Ike's. Mike's and Ike's? Mike and Ike's. Um, so, um, is she done? Oh, no, she's not done. She's almost done. She's almost done. Um, so, so, deconstructing has been fantastic. So, I'll just ease into kind of the end here that um, 
in this journey, I didn't, I don't, I don't know how I'm even here. I don't know how I'm here. I don't know what, I don't know why y'all are here. Like, this is fucking amazing. Thank you for being here. And, um, I, I'm super excited to be using my voice now to be expressing my autonomy and my opinions and to be on the podcast that I'm on called Everyone's Agnostic to be part of the religious trauma activist uh, movement. I, I am not part of the let's murder Christianity movement. I am not part of that movement. I don't really care what what they do. I want to help people who have been hurt. And so I'm happy to be part of that. And that's what you guys are doing too. You're doing that here. And um, so <laughs> is this the part where I'm supposed to give you all of my uh, takeaways and you're supposed to do it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I like revolution because I get to project... I project all my shit on Jay. All of it. <laughs> like, the first time I was here, he was preaching. I'm like, mm. <laughs> another white man on a stage telling me what to think. I don't know about this. And it was really cool because in the after thing, in the afterglow, there's this thing, my groupies don't know what that is. There's this afterglow afterwards where you get to actually have an opinion and like say stuff. But yeah, calm down, Matt. <laughs> I don't and, and so in that, I was... Afterglow is a joke? Yeah. Oh, okay. The name, I had no, I had nothing to do with the name. So that's a fair criticism. It's, yeah, it's a little like, yeah, it's weird. Oh, it's a joke. It is literally a joke. You're, you're using, oh, it's ironic. Okay. So, okay. 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 That makes sense now. Yeah. So anyway, I projected my shit all over Jay. It was great. I raised my hand. I said, I disagree with you. <laughs> like, you know, was, I was very confrontational. <laughs> and Caleb says I'm very confrontational. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. So I, I really appreciate Revolution being here. I appreciate Jay for who he is, that he's not trying to control any of y'all, like I, I understand that a large amount of you people um, would identify as Christian. A lot of people would identify as spiritual or non-conforming or atheist or agnostic, and you're all here, and you're all here, and none of you are like, oh my God, things are being said here that make me, like, that are just toxic. Um, this is just like a really nice open space to kind of explore that together and to unpack things together. And so that's as an answer to my TED Talk title, which was. Why the hell am I at church today? That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here, because this is a really cool um, environment for that. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to keep coming just to see what it triggers for me. <laughs> um, and I also like you people. You're really nice people. Caleb and Jay are awesome. And the kids are really great, too, even though they talk the whole time. But so did I. <laughs> so do I have any jokes left for y'all? Um, no, I guess I guess I do want to just say these are my recomm- these are my recommendations. If you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. So <laughs> it's a really good hell, though. Like lots of like there's marshmallows and candy. So these are my takeaways. These are my ten commandments for you. <laughs> this is this is weird. This is meta. Um, so these are the things I've learned in my life: trust yourself, value your voice. Love your humanity. Honor each other's paths. Always ask questions. Mm -hmm. Fight. Embrace the gray 
embrace not knowing, accept what is, um, and don't try to own other people, their choices, their behavior. You don't own them. You only own yourself. Um, so do that or you're going to hell. So um, I think I'm done. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just uh, appreciative of the chance to use my voice here yet again. It turns out that I like talking a lot. I discovered that last uh, November. I've been on a lot of podcasts since then. I've been on a lot of shows. And I apparently have a lot of things to say. So I'm very grateful for uh, Jay sharing this stage. Um, And I think I'm done. I think I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. (laughs) Thank you. That was a post-Christian podcast. (laughs) 